0: heavy lifting in Lytton, the first step in a long rebuild, and how soon burned out residents might return.
1: Patients sick about losing their doctor. In my view, this was a a line that was crossed that was so inappropriate. The controversial reason their family physician is at odds with her own clinic.
2: And a Canadian in Kyiv. Behind me, you can see the results of Russian airstrike
0: his return to Ukraine to join the resistance
3: You're watching Global BC This is Global News Hour at 6 Good evening and
1: thanks for joining us. Eight months after fire destroyed most of the village of Lytton, the heavy equipment rolled in for the first step on a long road to rebuilding the town.
0: Demolition work is now underway to remove the charred debris. Actual reconstruction of the town is expected to take years. Imadagahi has more on why it has taken so long to get underway and the monumental task ahead.
4: It sat there through summer, fall and winter and for 250 days reminded the people of Lytton of one of the most traumatic days of their lives. On Tuesday, finally the process of removing debris from the deadly wildfire was underway.
5: Our residents have waited a long time, a really long time, and I'm hoping that today gives them hope.
4: Perhaps a mayor relaying the emotions of the entire town. Even though this day was a long time coming, it is really just the beginning of a lengthy and uncertain rebuild.
6: One of the most traumatic parts of the the process is just being kept out of it. You know, not being able to access our property. It took 100 days for me to be able to begin sifting. Um, By then, my property had been looted.
4: This wasn't just Jennifer Thoss' home. Inside were all of her irreplaceable family possessions. It's all gone, just like roughly 200 other properties in the village. It was a storm.
7: It was a windstorm. It was a firestorm. It was like our lives are all being changed forever.
4: Monday, the province said with a budget of $18.4 million, it will pay for the removal of this debris, the cost of removing toxins from the soil as well, and the bill for what it calls archaeological work to greenlight building.
5: I'm really hoping that... You know, we're going to give them a sense of hope. Um, You know, it's been one setback after another. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to people coming back and re-establishing their life here.
4: There are also more boots on the ground, a new project manager, a hired professional team of archaeologists, an environmental engineering firm, and a remediation contractor. But within the community, there is still doubt.
8: I personally feel like there's just more people at the helm.
6: There's more people on payroll. And I don't see that translating into communicating and um, consulting with residents. I don't see it being translated into those blue fences coming down.
4: There is also anxiety about what Lytton will even look like in the future. Sure, the people may come back, but will its services? Will there be a bank? A medical center, a swimming pool, or the many other pillars in this community that fell. Emad Agahi, Global News.
1: Some of the biggest names in Canadian country music are going to do their bit to help BC communities hard hit by floods and fires this past year. Amy,
4: slow
1: Acts such as George Conroy, sorry George Canyon, Lisa Brokop, and Patricia Conroy. We'll be participating in Hell or High Water, a 12-hour online concert and telethon this Sunday.
6: have people that are living in these four communities that aren't living anymore. They are living in anywhere throughout B.C. and Alberta. Take the town of Lytton, for example. They don't even have a home or a town to go to. This needs to be done because we have a 1,000 British Columbians in need of our help.
1: Organizers are hoping to raise $3 million for residents of Merritt, Lytton, Princeton, Abbotsford, and surrounding First Nations communities who are still recovering from a series of natural disasters.
0: Well, the, r- the rules... Around visiting loved ones in long term care have changed many times throughout the pandemic. The provincial government made the most recent change in February, announcing every resident would be allowed to approve visitors. But there still seems to be some confusion about who exactly is allowed in. Richard Zussman explains. Grandpa?
9: It's been COVID 19's ground zero. Long term care homes experiencing more deaths and greater social isolation. We came to tell you that we love you so much. We've seen people in care suffer so much being
10: separated from their families. Everybody wants that to change. Everybody wants uh, families to be reconnected.
9: But it's change adding to confusion. Right now a resident can have two different visitors, a designated visitor and an essential visitor. But those visitors can't change and some care homes provide flexibility while others don't. Former CKNW host Linda Steele getting caught up in the issue When her brother from Edmonton was turned down from visiting their father in Metro Vancouver.
0: My brother is triple vaccinated. You have to do a rapid test every time you go in. He had made a flight specifically to see my dad. I don't blame the worker at the front. They were following the rules. But
9: at the same time, there has got to be clarity. He was eventually able to visit, but adds to the frustration families feel.
10: So There's always going to be some room for confusion. So my, uh, my recommendation is just talk. You know, Let's have just open conversations and try to resolve those misunderstandings.
9: And more changes are coming. The hope is that these won't lead to confusion, but rather more comfort for those in long-term care who are looking for greater access to their loved ones. Everyone wants
3: those uh, those visits expanded as soon as possible, and uh, that's always been our approach.
10: With um, COVID cases going down and the vaccination so successful, uh, we really do think it's time for reconsideration.
9: The province emphatic: the rules are clear, including right now all. Vi- Long term care across BC must show proof of vaccination, but not during end of life visits. All visitors 12 plus must take a rapid test, and masks must be worn in common areas.
3: The requirement to be vaccinated is and the uh, requirements around rapid testing and long-term care, I expect those to continue.
9: I'll miss you a lot, yeah. The screening does take time, so visitors are often left to wait. Those same people hoping they don't have to wait much longer for better clarity and access to see their loved ones. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: Let's check on the COVID situation in BC now. Here's a look at our latest numbers. We have 419 people in hospital. 63 of those patients are in the icu there has been one more death recorded due to complications of the virus and we have 254 new confirmed cases
0: a north vancouver doctor is telling her patients they need to find a new physician at the end of the month she says she will be out of a job because she is unvaccinated. But as Ted Chernecki reports, a new health order is creating some confusion as to whether there is indeed a deadline for healthcare professionals to get the shot.
8: Dr. Bayfield is a great doctor. And we we're very upset to lose her. But in my view,
7: this was a, a line that was crossed that was
3: so inappropriate that I. I needed to speak up. That line was a letter Dr. Bayfield sent encouraging everyone to challenge BC's COVID vaccine policies. Dear patients, despite having recovered from COVID myself, along with thousands of other healthcare workers who cannot be vaccinated for very legitimate reasons, I will no longer be able to see patients in my family practice as of March 24th. We tried unsuccessfully to reach Bayfield at her clinic for clarification about why she couldn't be vaccinated. The clinic itself states on its website, the remaining 11 physicians at North Shore Medical Group do not support the conclusions Dr. Bayfield has reached. Last month, all medical professionals in close contact with patients, be they chiropractors, dentists, physical therapists, optometrists, psychiatrists, and many others, were warned that they must have at least one dose of vaccine by March 24th. People are going to lose her as a doctor for something that just seems to me
8: so so stupid um i uh, i really feel badly about it but but the facts are the facts i mean you can't spread misinformation it's something that we all need to do stuff about and that's why i spoke up
3: but will she lose her job last night bc's public health officer issued a new order requiring all provincial health colleges to report by no later than march 31st the vaccination status of all its members there was no mention of any disciplinary action. The order produced yesterday is, uh, is not technical in nature. It's important, but it's a required step. And so I wouldn't draw any conclusions ab- about that. Uh, we're going to be updating on this issue and uh, a number of other issues on Thursday. Just how many medical professionals could face termination, if any, is still unknown. The College of Physicians and Surgeons alone estimates there are about 400 doctors in B.C. still unvaccinated. Catch your Global News. Another day of record high
1: gas prices at the pump and the recent move by Alberta to drop taxes on fuel seems to be increasing pressure on the B.C. government to take action. With more on that, Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, some heated debate uh, during the mm-hmm. question period today.
11: Yeah, like an old-fashioned question period. A lot of energy and relevance, uh, again, as legislators here now debating and arguing about a key issue facing British Columbians, the price of energy, the price of gas at the pump, and also the price of living that's going up in all sorts of areas. This is turning into a significant political issue right across the country. You mentioned Jason Kenney dropping the Alberta tax. The B.C. government now under pressure to drop taxes or perhaps provide a rebate. But the B.C. government, bottom line is, makes a lot of money when it comes to gasoline Taxation, for example, the carbon tax now 2.31 billion dollars this year. This, of course, is more than just gasoline. That's up more than a quarter of a million, dola- quarter of a billion dollars. Fuel taxes bringing in more than one billion dollars in the coming year. So there's a lot of revenue at stake here. And again, a very raucous question period between uh, opposition House Leader Shirley Bond and Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth, arguing like the old days.
12: One week ago, he promised, and I quote, "Everything's on the table." end quote. Yet, day after day, the price of gas goes higher and higher. And what does the Premier do? Nothing.
13: He knows
12: full well that British Columbia had the highest gas prices and the highest gas taxes long before the invasion of Putin, and they continue to have them now.
14: It's
1: a little bit rich, Honourable Speaker. It's a little bit rich, Honourable
14: Speaker
11: to be lectured by a leader of the opposition and the B.C. Liberal Party that when
1: they got into power in 2001, scrapped pay equity legislation, Honourable Speaker. They cut
10: funding for sexual assault centres, Honourable Speaker. And I'll tell
11: you what they did.
1: They introduced a server wage so that women, women predominantly
10: in the hospitality
1: industry earn less than minimum wage. We're not going to take any lessons on affordability from
14: that side of the house.
11: So pretty loud in there today, I have to say. Again, the NDP government is going to get a bit of a break because after Thursday, the House rises for two weeks. So the Liberals will lose that venue of question period. You can be sure, though, if prices remain high when they come back after spring break, this issue wants to again be front and center in question period.
1: Thanks very much, Keith.
0: Well, the United States has announced it is banning oil imports from Russia in light of the invasion of Ukraine.
5: Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports, and the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine.
0: Political watchers note the move is largely symbolic, though, with only about 8 percent of U.S. imports of crude oil and petroleum products coming from Russia last year. Ukraine's president had been calling for Western nations to cut off imports. However, European nations rely heavily on Russia for their energy needs.
1: A return to Ukraine that came a lot earlier than anticipated for a Vancouver man. How he became part of the resistance, fighting back against Russian forces in just over a minute.
0: A BC woman back in the saddle after winning the most grueling horse race in the world. How she's giving back to the children she met in the Mongolian wilderness later.
1: And Lululemon founder Chip Wilson reveals his private health battle, offering up $100 million to find a cure. That's later.
0: Right now, though, the humanitarian crisis in Eastern Europe is reaching another grim milestone today, with the U.N. saying 2 million people have now fled Ukraine.
1: But even as Western nations ramp up the economic pressure on Russia for its invasion, Vladimir Putin shows no signs of backing off. Here's the latest from Aaron MacArthur a heart-wrenching
14: goodbye small boy not wanting to let his father a police officer go back into the fighting north of kiev evacuations continued in several cities under direct russian assault in Irpin, tens of thousands of people have used this makeshift footbridge to flee Russian shells. This man says Irpin is under constant shelling. There are Russian vehicles, Russian soldiers. They are visible. This woman says she's from Donetsk. It's the second time she's facing this war, the second time she's lost her home. Russian troops have agreed to give civilians a chance to escape. In the eastern city of Sumy, buses were allowed to head to safety. But the situation is growing worse by the hour in the southern city of Mariupol. Without safe routes out, evacuations have been halted. An estimated 300,000 people are trapped with no power, no heat, no food or medicine. The tension inside the city mounting. This soldier patrolling the street urging everyone to stay together. Continuing to defy Russian forces, an easy victory, President Zelensky remains steadfast. Streaming a speech to the British House of Commons Tuesday, asking the West for more help, including a no fly zone over Ukraine. We will continue fighting for our land, whatever the cost. Since the start of the invasion, an estimated 2 million people have fled Ukraine. Millions more unable to find any route to safety. Adding to Europe's worst humanitarian crisis in nearly 80 years. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
0: A Vancouver man has left the safety of Canada to travel to Ukraine to help his family and the nation defend themselves against Russian forces. Kamala Karmali has his first-hand account and how friends here
2: are rallying support. Behind me, you can see the results of Russian airstrike.
15: Nazari has returned to Ukraine to find the cities he grew up knowing in shambles.
2: Look at this. This was... Guy,
15: This was actually
2: near my bomb shelter where I stayed overnight.
15: Now embedded with the territorial defense in Kiev, the safety of his Vancouver home a world away. His quiet life in this Canadian city where he spent eight years seemed like a lifetime ago. For the first
2: two days, it was a
15: complete and utter shock. Like, I didn't know what to do. Nazari was on his way to visit family in Ukraine in mid-February when the war broke out while he was in Istanbul. That's when his leisurely trip turned into a rescue mission. At least they can take them out in the country or we can be with them, right, and, you know,
2: just be be together with them.
15: But they chose not to leave. Even Nazari couldn't convince them otherwise, so he joined them so, in Kyiv. Uh, They're willing to stand their ground until the very end. When you realize that you know
2: someone's attachment to their home is is so strong that they're willing to stay and you know at least and they say at least my last action would be
15: to throw a rock at the invader now he's part of the resistance to the russian invasion the territorial defense doesn't fight on the front lines it stays back to protect uh, civilians
2: uh, our aim is to supply Um, units with um, what what they need.
15: Nazari collects basic necessities for soldiers and their families. Construction supplies, knives, uh, first aid kits, heaters. Tallying items, distributing them where they're needed the most. And in his other home of Vancouver, his employer is doing the same.
16: We're going to see how
8: long it takes to get to Poland and to Kiev.
15: They see Nazari is like family, so they're collecting tactical, medical and electronic gear to send to him directly.
14: This one's a tough one. Um, to have someone that's part of your work culture and, and the team here. This hits home so we, we know his capabilities and what he's able to pull off there.
2: Again, from the West, especially those in North America, send stuff that it is
15: expensive and light. Grateful for everything coming his way, Nazari is asking Canadians to send even more. They're outnumbered, and their resources are fading fast.
2: What's your biggest fear right now? My biggest fear is that my town, my suburb, or my village is going to get occupied. And you're willing to do anything to defend it? We're going to defend it. I, I know we're going to suffer a lot, but this city is not going to fall, man. It's not going to fall.
15: They knew whom they're hitting. Vowing not to come back to his peaceful home in Canada until his family's home in Ukraine is safe. Kamal Kermali, Global News. The list of international
1: corporations temporarily shutting down their Russian operations continues to grow as companies face public pressure to take action to protest the invasion of Ukraine. McDonald's today announced it's temporarily shutting down its 850 restaurants in Russia but will continue to pay the salaries of its 62,000 employees there. Coca-Cola, Pepsi and Starbucks are also suspending their operations. It's reported that more than 200 companies have in some way curtailed their Russian
11: operations.
0: Just ahead, history lost in a major fire.
11: It's heartbreaking. It's like a death.
0: The background of a landmark that burned to the ground in Pendicton.
1: And what happened in court today for Surrey's embattled mayor.
17: I'm Dom Powers at Global One taking a look at the Alex Fraser Bridge. There was an earlier problem today southbound. However, you can't really tell because traffic's looking great. A little bit of a bunch up just as you're getting to North Delway, but nothing too crazy. Sussex Insurance are your community auto plan experts. For your questions about recent ICBC changes or to find a location near you, visit sussexinsurance.com today. I'm Dom Powers and Global One above the Alex Fraser Bridge.
1: More tonight on that fire that ripped through and ultimately destroyed a heritage home in Penticton, including a potential cause. As
0: Global's Taya Fast reports, residents say it was heartbreaking to watch the historic
13: Warren House go up in flames. A pile of wood and shards of glass is all that's left of the Warren House after a fire tore through the heritage home in Penticton.
11: It's heartbreaking. It's like a death.
13: Witnesses describe hearing an explosion before the home burst into flames around 2 p.m. on Monday.
18: Uh, People from all around the block felt the the combustion uh, and the the impact of the explosion. In fact, we felt it from the fire hall two blocks from here.
13: The Warren House, which was operating as a bed and breakfast, was built in 1912 and it was one of two CPR buildings still standing in Penticton.
11: J.J. Warren was the president of the Kettle Valley Railway. And he was the individual who built this home. And it also became a focal point for a lot of other CPR executives who would arrive here in their private railway cars.
13: Manuel, who assisted in creating a city registry of all the historic sites in the city, including the Warren House, said he was shocked to hear
11: the news. I was really at a loss for words. I, I still am. I feel really bad about it because it was so unique and we have very little left of that 100 plus year old era of Pendicton's past.
13: 35 members of the Pendicton Fire Department responded to the fire and worked to contain the
18: flames to the worn property. We knew right away the house was a loss. Uh, but we did not want to have this apartment building catch fire that we w- would, you know, if that happened, we would have been in a really uh, hard hard situation with a block fire kind of situation.
13: No one was injured in the fire and investigation is underway to determine what caused the initial explosion.
18: We don't at this time have any uh, uh, means to have uh, any concerns regarding any like malicious activity that was underway here. It seemed to be uh, some sort of explosion that might have been gas orientated. We don't have a clear understanding of what caused the ignition nor what caused the fuel source to have the explosion but it was severe. Watkinson
13: is also reminding residents who have gas appliances to ensure that they are regularly checked and turned off when you leave your home. TFA, Global News, Penticton.
1: A teenager in New Westminster has been robbed at Knife Point and police are seeking help from the public to identify the suspects. It happened near 6th Street and 3rd Avenue as the victim was walking home from school last Friday. Police say he was approached by two other teens who produced a knife and demanded his jacket and backpack. The boy complied and the two suspects, both about 16 to 18 years old, fled the scene
17: are uh, asking any parents or guardians um, if they have noticed any Air Jordan backpack or sorry Air Jordan jacket or a super dry backpack that does not belong to someone in your home to uh, please reach out to the police.
1: New Westminster police are also hoping to hear from anyone who might have CCTV or dash cam video from the area around 3.30 p.m. March 4th.
0: Victoria Police are asking for the public's help to identify a suspect who allegedly spat on and threatened a transit driver. It happened last Tuesday at around 6.45 p.m. while the bus was at Fort and Ash Grove streets. Police say the passenger, a 25- to 35-year-old Caucasian man, first threatened to stab the driver, then walked up to the plexiglass barrier on the bus and spat on the driver's face. You can identify the suspect, you are asked to contact police or crime stoppers.
1: Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum did not appear in court today or enter a plea to his public mischief charges. The Surrey Mayor's lawyers are arguing there will be a trial, and it's expected to run five days. As Catherine Urquhart reports, that trial may not happen before the next municipal election.
12: Outside Surrey Provincial Court, a group of protesters gather for the latest court date for Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum, who is charged with public mischief.
5: Step down as police chair. You were lying to the police you're being charged with public mischief.
12: McCallum does not attend but his lawyer and special prosecutor Richard Fowler appear by video link and reveal they're planning for a five-day trial.
17: A five-day trial suggests to me that there's going to be a significant amount of evidence called and also likely that there are going to be pre-trial applications for either exclusion of evidence or potentially about some aspects of the investigation that may have not been conducted. Correctly.
12: McCallum was charged with public mischief after claiming he was struck by a car driven by a woman collecting signatures for the Surrey police vote.
11: As she pulled out and and turned right, she clipped my knee and, and my bottom leg and then ran over my foot at the same time.
12: This global interview may be evidence in the case. Also, surveillance video from the Save-On Foods parking lot where the incident occurred is also believed to be part of the case against McCallum who was represented by high-profile lawyer Richard Peck, his bills being paid by taxpayers.
5: We want really to express our concern about the legal costs that are being met by the taxpayer um, for Mr. McCallum's defense. We think that's totally wrong and inappropriate.
12: Despite the unresolved criminal case against him and a trial date likely to be many months ahead, McCallum continues to say he will run again in the fall election.
10: The timing of this trial has always been crucial, I think, to Doug McCallum's re-election bid. In my view, he needs to have this behind him. It needs He needs an acquittal or the case needs to be dismissed in order for him to really mount a viable campaign.
12: Next steps in the criminal case involve setting a date for a pre-trial conference. McCallum still hasn't made a plea on the charge of public mischief, which involves triggering a police investigation by making a false statement. It carries a maximum sentence of five years in prison. Katherine Urquhart, Global News.
0: Up next, breaking the bias. Women are paid less almost everywhere. And without action, it doesn't change. All the ways we are marking International Women's Day.
1: And what the government is doing to bring high-speed internet to nearly every remote corner of the province.
17: I'm Don Powers, Global One, high above the Massey Tunnel. This is looking at the Highway 17A interchange. It's in great shape. We don't have counterflow in, but it's not needed. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC's Children's Hospital, Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Don Powers, and Global One above the Massey Tunnel.
1: On this International Women's Day, the fight for equal pay is top of mind on both sides of the political aisle today.
0: The province and opposition say they're both committed to closing the gap. As Grace Key reports, British Columbia is one of the only provinces not to have any legislation in place. On this International Women's Day, the
7: province has announced it's taking steps aimed at closing the gender pay gap. Consultations are set to begin on new pay transparency legislation.
8: We want to have a sense of of what's out there, what that gap looks like, uh, and also have incentives and opportunities for uh, businesses that are... are doing it well, that are building workplaces uh, that work for everybody uh, to highlight that work uh, and for others to take stock of where they're at uh, and take action.
7: BC is one of four provinces along with Alberta, Saskatchewan and Newfoundland and Labrador without either pay transparency or pay equity legislation. BC also has one of the largest gender pay gaps in Canada with women making about 20% less than men. The opposition critic for gender equity says she's introduced the equal pay reporting act for the fifth time in the legislature
12: what the legislation proposes to do is have employers of a prescribed size allowing uh, the minister to prescribe what size businesses have to comply um, to annually report the differences between wages for men and women in the same jobs in their companies what that'll do is bring it out into the light so nobody can say oh that doesn't happen here um, and we can say, where is it happening, why is it happening, and how do we fix it?
7: Stephanie Cadu says this isn't a priority for government if it's taken five years to enter into a consultation.
12: We've got a bill. We know the, the bill works. It's working in other jurisdictions, um, so we could just act. We
8: could then do consultation after the fact, and as I said, so that we can um, make sure we're considering all the options for addressing the racialized aspect of the gender pay gap, uh, that we don't uh, needlessly be stuck in a gender binary.
7: The province will start consultations in the spring. Grace Key, Global News.
0: A big boost today for internet access across the province. The federal and provincial governments committing a total of $830 million to expand high-speed internet to 115,000 underserved homes and businesses in rural, remote, and indigenous communities. The investment is designed to level the playing field for British Columbians, providing better access to jobs, education, training, and health care.
8: I am proud to announce a partnership between both governments of Canada and British Columbia in an historic agreement to connect 98% of the province by 2026 and 100% of British Columbia by 2030. The expanded
0: connectivity will be provided through low orbit satellites and fixed and fiber internet connections.
1: One of Canada's most successful entrepreneurs is committing $100 million to find a cure for a rare form of muscular dystrophy after revealing he was diagnosed more than three decades ago. Chip Wilson, founder of Lululemon and several other companies, was diagnosed at the age of 32 with fascio muscular dystrophy. It leads to the chronic wasting of muscles, predominantly in the shoulders, back and legs, and often in the face. Now, at the age of 67, and slowly losing his ability to walk, Wilson wants to find a cure. He hopes the $100 million commitment can boost research and treatment, not only solving his case, but solving some of the problems we all face as we
11: age. There is the great possibility that maybe we can regenerate the muscle faster than it depletes. Now what's really amazing about this is this this could be one of the biggest drugs solves of all time because most people die when they get old because their muscles wasted away, they fall and then they die, basically. And if we if we can keep our muscle as we age, it could be one of the number one things for, for longevity of life. Scientists,
1: biotech, and biopharma companies, muscular degeneration specialists and other researchers studying muscular dystrophy are all encouraged to contact uh, SolveFSHD.com for access to the fund.
0: Coming up, ready to ride.
8: may get a hot shower, but I think that would be lucky every 10 days.
0: Her motivation for an epic ride across the Mongolian wilderness again.
1: And in sports, one of the biggest trades in NFL history that hits very close to home. I sit with my back to the window, we both do, and very often the first glimpse of sunshine I get is behind Christie at five <laughs> o'clock true. on the shot. But beautiful sunset tonight. <laughs>
16: You guys worked so hard, that's for sure. You know, it was a glorious day today. In fact, we have some uh, shots looking out from North Vancouver from the shipyards area just to show you the blue sky that was enjoyed by many across the lower mainland. In fact, many across the province today. I tell you, allergy sufferers are not enjoying it quite as much, but it has been feeling like spring. Tonight, though, it will feel a little bit more like winter. We have wind chill values that are expected overnight. So uh, with the clear skies tonight, temperatures across metro Vancouver will drop down to zero degrees. We are expecting a bit of a northeasterly breeze up to about 40 kilometers an hour, and that'll make it feel even colder, especially those of you in the interior. You have de- definitely had a drop in the temperature over the last 24 hours. So what we have right now and what's bringing the clear skies is this blocking ridge, but it's sitting offshore as opposed to it sitting onshore and really giving us that warmth. Instead, what we're seeing is the jet stream driving north to south across the province. So cooler air mass as well as that breeze. Uh, making it feel a little bit colder, but certainly clearing the skies nonetheless, which is great. And we've got a couple of days of sunshine on the way, not only across the south coast, right across the province. The cloud cover you see here is mainly through the morning. A clearing trend on the way. Uh, temperatures across the interior regions only up to about three degrees, but it will be will be milder across the south coast, near seasonal at a high of ten degrees. But certainly the overnight temperatures tonight and again tomorrow night very chilly. That's for sure with that wind chill. We'll warm up as the moisture moves in on Friday. And there's a slight chance of a flurry. I wouldn't rule it out, but so far we're just looking at showers. Tonight's central windows weather window is coming to you from Vancouver. Sheila sending us this of the blue sky. And yes, certainly feeling like spring in that shot. And you are correct about allergies, Christine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
16: Yeah. I was thinking about you, Sophie. And Squire is suffering too. Oh.
6: Torture, brutal on people. the weekend. There was something blowing in the air. Spring has already started as far as the allergy people <laughs> yeah. are concerned.
1: That's right. And in the NFL, I guess that I'm sad. Yeah. Sad about oh, this. My ties all okay. Look
0: at
6: that. You
0: look fine.
1: Okay, I got it now.
6: <laughs> okay. This, this is what Seattle Seahawks fans are saying tonight.
0: Wilson.
7: Wilson.
6: <laughs> yes, Wilson is off the raft and floating to Denver after the Seahawks pulled off one of the biggest trades in NFL
1: history. Okay,
8: just the derby.
1: Also tonight, making a difference in Mongolia. A BC woman tackling the elements and ornery wild horses to help children half a world away.
0: It's the end of an era, Squire Barnes. Well, that is true.
6: An and we, we've been talking about this for over a year. Is Russell Wilson going to be traded? Isn't he going to be traded Well, his time as the Seattle Seahawk is finally done. The Seahawks made a trade with the Denver Broncos today, and it was a big one in terms of quality and quantity, even though the Hawks are giving up a championship quarterback. This looks like a Don Corleone deal, one they could not refuse, even though they said no intention of trading Wilson. The draft picks, the players, Coupled with a good chunk of money underneath the salary cap for Seattle this offseason to spend on free agents, means the Seahawks, if they make the right decisions, could remake themselves very quickly. Well, the Broncos feel they finally have a real quarterback to make their talented roster a contender right now. I will say this. If Drew Locke is anything more than a backup in Seattle, there'll be trouble. But to sports fans in Seattle, trading Russell Wilson is like when Ken Griffey Jr. was traded to Cincinnati, or when the Sonics left town for Oklahoma City. Wilson gave Seattle so many memorable moments, and of course he gave them a Super Bowl championship. He's second to Peyton Manning in wins and touchdown passes in the first 10 years of an NFL career. But the rumors of him not being happy with Seattle's offense or direction clearly had merit and he goes to a Broncos team that with him becomes a playoff contender immediately and Aaron Rodgers will stay with the Green Bay Packers rumors earlier today had him signing a four-year 200 million dollar deal Rodgers said that is not the case but he is going to continue being a Packer he's coming off another MVP season in fact He's won the MVP award two years in a row and four times overall. So at the age of 38, he is not slowing down. The biggest knock on him, of course, is he's not the same quarterback in the playoffs as he is in the regular season, although he does have a Super Bowl win. Mind you, that was 11 years ago. The Vancouver Canucks were nine points out of a playoff spot when Bruce Boudreau took over the team. And despite how good they've been since then, they're still four points out of a playoff spot right now. Just goes to show you how tough it is to make up for a bad start in the National Hockey League. But Boudreau tells his players all the time, keep winning the weeks. Think big picture as well as the game in front
10: of you. I talk about it every day. And it's not like uh, uh, don't talk about it and just play one at a time they know where they are they know we've got the next seven games at home and then they know the gauntlet that we've got after that uh, it's small steps i mean you might only gain a point a week but you you know if you keep going and you're gaining then you're not falling behind so and that's uh, as long as there's that opportunity we're going to keep it going
6: the last time princess margaret secondary school in surrey made it to a bc senior boys basketball tournament the players were wearing shorter shorts and wide leg pants, they thought cassette tapes were a huge leap in technology and the coolest new movie was something called Star Wars.
5: It's been a long time since Surrey's Princess Margaret Lyons roared at the BC Boys Provincial Basketball Championship and when we say a long time, we mean a very long time. None of these kids on the court were born the last time Princess Margaret made a provincial's Same story for their coaches.
14: Uh, It means a lot. Like, since 1977, it's quite a big deal. Uh, We're not a traditional basketball program. I was explaining to my mom the other day about the importance behind this. She doesn't really fully understand it, but when I explained to her when she was born in 1965, I was like, Mom, you're 12 years old. That's when she had this aha moment. Like, whoa, like, you know, it was very surprising for her.
5: This is what the celebration looked like a few days ago when the Lions clinched their first championship berth in over four decades. Every player was well aware of the school's history, or lack thereof, at making it to the big dance. And looking back into the past helped inspire this latest den of Lions on achieving their goal of playing for a provincial title.
4: And I was looking at the people that are in it, and it's like, wow, that's actually—that's when it started to really set in. Like, nobody's made it since these people were my age, and
5: that's crazy. Most people are grandfathers, grandmothers now, and that's—that's that's, thats insane to think about. There's a gymnasium amount of pride at play here. This is a group of kids who've been together since grade ten, sharing the same goals and dreams. Even more importantly, they're growing and maturing as individuals together, while also becoming role models for younger members of a student body that's rich in cultural diversity.
14: I got, you know, students from Ethiopia, uh, Somalian, Indo-Canadian, Muslim.
18: Like every day coming to the school, it's like the younger group of kids always look up to you now, knowing how far we've came as a total group and knowing how I could be a person, I could be a person to look up to for the younger group of kids, and they want to come as far as we've came.
4: Yeah, it's actually beautiful to see, like, we've all grown up in this community in Surrey and Newton, right? And we've all been around people from different nationalities that come from different backgrounds. And that just brings different experiences, different family dynamics, all that type of stuff comes together. And that really helps us uh, with with our team, like, dynamic overall, because everybody else has a different story and everybody else has a different experience that comes along with them.
14: You know, it is what it means to be Canadian, right? It's a multicultural, you know, country, and it's neat to see how diverse my group really is.
6: There's so many cool stories at the Paralympics. But look at Ukraine. Isn't that great in the medal standings? Canada doing well as well, but Ukraine is second in total medals right now. There you go.
0: Great. All right. Thanks for that, Squire.
1: Up next, a story that will probably stir up some emotions. A B.C. (laughs) woman back in the saddle for an epic ride. That's next. Langley woman is using her love of horses and adventure to help children far from home.
0: As Jay Durant reports, she's about to embark on one of the world's most grueling horse races for a second time.
10: Heidi Telstad has been around horses since a very young age, but she's about to embark on the most epic ride of her life. It's like I'm just before the Derby. Three months on horseback, covering 3,600 kilometres, camping and riding through the Mongolian Wild.
8: I may get a hot shower but I think that would be lucky every 10 days.
10: This will be one of the longest charity rides in history. 17 riders traveling amongst different nomadic groups and free-range horses in some harsh conditions. Why take on such an ambitious challenge? Oh, no. Heidi is doing it for the kids.
8: When we first arrive, we get to see the kindergarten and then we get to meet the kids that we're helping out so that really brings it um, closer to your heart.
10: These children are in a much better place now thanks to the Valoo Foundation. At one time many of them were scavenging at garbage dumps with their families just to survive.
12: Never seen anything like this and just the the cold factor on top of the poverty factor was um it was just brutal, so decided to do something.
10: This ride is expected to raise over $100,000 US to help the foundation's education program that's seeing great success. Two,
18: one, run on!
10: Telstad is no stranger to this terrain. She was one of the winners of the 2016 Mongol Derby, hailed as the longest and toughest horse race in the world. So she's familiar with the challenges out there in the wild. A
8: thick fog and some. Uh... Herder's dogs were out and they decided to take chase and <laughs> they were leaping up on my horse and they bit my horse in the leg and, and that, was, uh, that was scary.
10: But before the start of another incredible adventure, she's looking forward to meeting some of the children whose lives she's helping to change.
8: When I can come back and tell people about it, uh, they'll know 100% sure that any of the money that they donate, it's going to these little children here and I can point them out and say how much better their life has become.
1: Jay Durant, Global News. So cute. All right, if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to B.C., just email your ideas, as always, to jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca.
0: Were you wanting to jump in, Square? I feel well, like I was just going
6: like to say one one. the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson today, and now word is that linebacker Bobby Wagner is told he's not going to be invited back either. They're going to have all Changes. kinds of all new down in Seattle, except all for kinds Pete Carroll. He's
1: still there to spend yeah you mentioned the salary cap oh yeah
0: Even all right more. quick word on the weather from christy
16: sure cold at tonight and again frosty tomorrow morning so you may have to scrape the windshield but overall you can expect another great day
1: i just put the scraper away but thanks <laughs> have a great night everybody
16: oh, good night all